Well, tonight I'm going to give a share about something which is uh, America is buzzing about, and that is the uh, aftermath of the American elections, which I'm sure everybody's walking around in the days. <clears throat> I mean, we obviously know that uh, all the conservatives, Republicans, and so on in America thought that would be a red wave. Some even said a red tsunami. Uh, instead, it was barely a red ripple, hardly anything. And everybody's walking around and they can't believe what happened. So I think it's very important uh, to give uh, an understanding, at least as far as I'm concerned, of why this happened and uh, what it means for the Jewish people. And most important, how this fits into the divine plan of creation, why it has to happen. And, you know, whether you agree with me or not, uh, you will understand, actually, the necessity of this happening. You know, and you will, you will see that, and so on. Uh, so before I begin, this year should be a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef Reuven and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael, and Benjamin Wolf, Ben Hirsch, and Baruch Ben Benjamin Wolf. So Rabbi therefore, what I'm going to... What was that? Rina Batsol, a Refua Shalema. And Okay. <clears throat> so, let me explain what this is really all about. And what I'm about to tell you, I'm quite sure, and I'm going to explain not only what happened, but the hashkofa behind it. And then you will understand, really, why it had to happen. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay. <clears throat> so, before I get into what happened, uh, I must go into, obviously, the hashkofa, uh, which are parts of it I've spoken before. You know, but like everything else, you know, uh, it's like mathematics. You know, uh, more advanced mathematics must be based on elementary mathematics, obviously, you know, because the whole thing stands, uh, you know, on the basic ideas. Same thing. You have to understand the basic ideas of the Gaula, the redemption. And then you can understand the events that are expressed and must happen to bring the Gaula, you see. So let me begin. <clears throat> the first thing to understand uh, is, is this idea. We know there's a pasuk, a verse, right, in Toldos. Very important. Uh, could be that, you know, many times we read it so fast we don't appreciate the secret behind it. And the first verse, uh, the beginning of the uh, Chumash, in Tildes, is obviously Rivka was expect, expecting, right? And she had twins. Now we, of course, know the Yaakov and Esav. And it says that they struggled. This is what it said. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the struggle was incredible. If she go past uh, a holy site, then Yaakov would seek to come out, right? And if she went past an Avodah Zarah, Asa would see it come out. 
you see. <clears throat> so obviously, she had no idea what was going on. And uh, she needed, obviously, some type of resolution. So she winds up going to the Yeshiva of Shembeiva, uh, which was obviously a very holy place. And they told her a prophecy, very important prophecy. In fact, they told her the secret of what is going on. <clears throat> they said, There are two great nations within you, right? Two great nations. And, uh, <clears throat> and both of them, right, uh, we will become great. But then it says, And one nation will be greater than the other, you see. And then it says, The older will serve the younger. <clears throat> now, the concept of what it means is that they'll never really be equal. There will always be a differentiation between them. In other words, one nation, let's say Yaakov, uh, when he is great, which means life is very good for him and his descendants, and they flourish, <clears throat> they will be great. But the other person, the other twin, Esau, he will be diminished. And when vice versa, the reverse, when Esau is great, his life is going great for him, then Yaakov will be diminished. They can never be equal. One will always be superior, and the other one will always be inferior. And they'll switch off. You see? So that's what Ula Oim Oim Emot. And one nation will be greater than the other. No equality, basically, you see. Now, obviously, what that tells us is that there's some kind of, you know, a, 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 a relationship between Yaakov and Esav, where the mazal of one, right, will never be the same as the mazal of the other, right? It's what's called reciprocal. They're never even. It's like a seesaw. When one is high, the other is low. And reverse, when that nation is high, then the other one is, is low. They're never equal. It's called a reciprocal relationship, which is an opposite relationship, like a seesaw. <clears throat> now, that's obviously a very bizarre uh, connection that Yaakov has with Esau. And the question, of course, is why? So, in order to understand that, and by the way, all of this, you need to know before you understand the American elections. And by the way, the Israeli elections, because both are shocking, as I will explain. So, well, it all starts off in the beginning of time with Adam. Adam Harishon, the first man, it all starts off with that, right? Now, what the Rosham did is he created the creation, obviously. He made everything. And the way he does that is he sends forth some type of a shefa. And Kabbalistically, we know that that shefa, or that divine force, are the ten emanations, the spheres. Without getting into that. But he creates, makes everything astounding, right? So now that everything is made, it has to be sustained, right? So he continues to send forth this, what's called shefa, this divine energy or flow that sustains everything he made. Now, everything that exists 
has the divine flow directly to it. It has its own sort of part, uh, its own conduit or pipe between it and God. Everything, you see. <clears throat> so therefore, Adam Rishon, the first man, was commanded, we know, not to eat from the tree, right? And uh, he has his own pipe, Shefa, that just creates and sustains him. And he is commanded to ignore the advice of the Nochesh HaKadmoyini, which is the primordial snake, who is the spokesperson, I should say, spokesbeing of the Satan, right? The Satan. Uh, and that Satan, or in, in the mouthpiece is the primordial snake, the uh, Nochesh, is trying to convince Adam and Chava, his wife, to go against the command of God, right? Which means to eat from that tree of good and evil. See, to try to eat from that, that tree uh, in the garden itself. In any case, Adam ultimately listens to the nochosh, to the snake, you see. And, uh, and that obviously is the first sin, because he went against the will of God. And that created a tremendous amount of repercussions. Now remember, in the beginning, Adam and Chava was to reject, ignore the advice of the Satan. Don't listen to him. Reject his advice. Now, we know, basically, had that happened, then Adam would have lived, obviously, forever. He would have been, I once spoke about this at length, he would have been the Mashiach himself, and he, then there on Shabbat, because he did it, he sinned on Friday afternoon or whatever, uh, he would have lived, and he would have, uh, Shabbat, Shabbos would have been the Gan Eden, and Olim Haba would have started. In any case, he obviously listened to the snake, and uh, as a result of that, God basically appears to him and says, listen, until now, you did not have any kind of evil influence on you, because the, the, the Satan did not have any influence or power over the human body or actually even of the entire creation. There was no death, you see. There was no what's called Zoyamo at all in the body of man, or actually in the body of anything, you see. That Zoyamo, that uh, pollution of the Satan, you see, was outside of the creation. <clears throat> Adam sinned, so God said, until now, right, your job was to reject the advice of the Satan. And uh, as I explained a long time ago, what the Satan wanted him to do is eat from the tree because he said, and Rashi brings this down, that Adam, that God himself ate from the tree and that's how he became God. So what the Satan was basically saying in the, uh, you know, the mouthpiece of the uh, snake, uh, that God is not the only thing that exists. There's also the tree and that is the power source. So he wanted Adam to realize that there are other beings besides God. Adam didn't listen. He accepted, bought into the advice of the Satan. And as a result of that, right, he sinned. So God says to him, until now, you should have rejected the advice of the Satan. Instead, you listened, you bought into that. What was the argument you bought into? That there are other beings besides me. Therefore, you will therefore be subject to the, the influence 
of the Satan himself. In other words, you have given life to another force. You see, you created that force by believing in the Satan's argument. So now the Satan has power over you. You see, you legitimatized the fact that there are other beings besides God, namely the tree, and you legitimatize that, and as a result, you'll be subject to that belief that you yourself held. Then God says to him, okay, so what's your job now? Since you gave life for existence, right, a place in creation to the Satan, your job now is to kill him, to obliterate him, to annihilate him, you see. In other words, you have to undo what you did. You gave him a mockum, a place. You gave him existence over you. You need to destroy him to remove the existence that you gave him. You see, that's mida keneged mida. You see, that's an exact undoing of what you did. But the question then, of course, became, wow, how can Adama Rishon destroy the Satan? I mean, the Satan is a malach, he's an angel. You can't just destroy him. So what Rabbi did is something very fascinating. <clears throat> he altered a fundamental relationship between man and the Satan. Until now, the Satan was outside the body of man, right? And he would try to convince man to sin, you see. But what the Rabbi said is, I am now going to give you the ability to obliterate the Satan. How? Because, remember, I said, that Adam Rishon has his own pipeline to God through which the Shefa goes through. And not only that, the Satan also has his own pipeline to God because everybody needs the divine force, energy, to make them exist and sustain the existence. So therefore, now what happened, God says, I'm now going to connect the pipe from the Satan to me I'm going to take it away from me and connect it to your pipe, which means the divine flow comes down and splits like a upside-down Y. Part of it goes into Adam Rishon, and the other part goes into the Satan. So therefore, it's the same flow. Both the flow comes down, right? One half, one side goes to the Adam, and the other side goes to the Satan. So they're now connected. Not only that, but they both vie for the same existential force. And the problem is, is that there is only enough to really sustain and supply, energize only one side. Therefore, it comes out that it's combat, that Adam Rishon fights the Satan for this divine force. And whichever side it goes, that is the side that will flourish, and whichever side it's denied because it's going to the other side, right, that side will be diminished. This is now the relationship that Adam has with the Satan. And it is because of this unique relationship, you see, that each side can be yonek. Yonek means to nourish from one pipe, you see. And when it goes to one side, that side will flourish and the other side will diminish. So we're looking here at a struggle of combat. But the struggle is not merely to be more powerful. It's existence itself 
Because if Adam can take all the source of energy, the divine energy, for himself, then the Satan will die because he's connected to Adam's source. So the Satan, his main job or his intent is to seek, to be unique, to nourish from the Adam's pipe in order to survive. So this is now the relationship. Now notice this is reciprocal. On one side is up, or it's like a seesaw. When Adam, is, when Adam HaRishon is up, meaning he's getting the energy, he flourishes, right? He prospers. And the Satan dies or gets weak and so on, which is the exact opposite of what happens to Adam. If the Satan takes the energy, then he flourishes and gets strong, and Adam, he weakens and he can die. That's called a reciprocal relationship. Uh, you see, and that is the origin of the relationship that we have with the Satan. It is a battle to the death. We don't even realize how serious this battle really is. And it really determines history, you see. And as you will see, it's exactly what happened. Now, this then is the relationship. Now, how does Adam Rishon, or actually the one who replaced Adam Rishon, right, are these Avraham Avinu, is uh, Avraham, or Ivri, the Jew. Uh, and all the Jews have the exact same relationship to the Satan as Odom and Chava had in the beginning of time. <clears throat> in any case, therefore we are in a perpetual battle to an angelic figure, the Satan, who will survive and who will flourish and prosper. You see, this is the state that the Jews are in. Now, I'm going to focus on what it means. Now, therefore, as a result of this, now, the question is, how does Adam bring the force, the divine energy to himself? Or how does a Jew do that? And the answer is by listening to God. If the Jew does the will of God, which is the mitzvot, right? Then all that energy goes to him. And therefore, the Satan begins to weaken, diminish. And if all the Jews do all the mitzvahs, then the Satan dies, literally. If, however, the Jew sins, right, then the Satan can be unique, can divert that energy to himself, grow powerful, and then give that power to the Goyim to destroy the Jews. This is a fundamental relationship that the Satan has with the Jewish people. But the important thing to remember is that we determine what he gets. If we do the will of God, he does not get anything or very little. And he has no choice in the matter. The only thing that he could try to do, the Satan, is to tell us, right, or to tempt us to go against the will of God. That's how he gets the energy. He can't take it by force. We have to sin. So he tries to tempt us, persuade us to sin. That's an important nekuda or point. That he, he's not the boss. We are the boss of where the flow goes. But he can convince us to sin, and therefore we are denied that force, and he gets it. You see? In many ways, which is, it's always interesting to compare something, uh, you know, it's like a football. You know, there are two teams, each one trying to 
take the football and get it over to its side, right? Uh, and therefore, they both vie for this little egg-shaped thing called the football. It's the same thing. The Jewish people vie, right, for this little thing called the uh, sparks of holiness. That's what it's called. And we vie with the Satan for that, you see. So life with the Satan or the battle with the Satan is like a football game or a basketball game. Okay, anyway, that's for those people who are into sports. Uh, in any case, this is what happens. Now, when, uh, this, was the, this is the Jewish relationship. Now, when uh, Esau sinned, what happened is eventually... He sinned so grievously without getting into all that, right, that he now has a malach. And the angel of Esau is who? Is the Satan himself, you see. So the angel of Esau is the Satan. We know that because when, ya- when uh, Yaakov fought uh, the malach, uh, the angel, if you remember, Vayaovek Ishimoi, before he was going to meet Esau, he fought an angel. They battled all night. That angel was the angel of, the, of, the, of Esau. And Rashi says, who was that? That was a Sultan, you see. So therefore, we have, the, if, uh, we have the, uh, the exact relationship that we have with the Satan, you see, reciprocal relationship, is the exact relationship we have with Esau. Because the Malach of Esau is the Satan. So our relationship with the Satan is the relationship we have with Esau. And what does that mean? So if we do mitzvot, right? So we take the we are yoinek. We take all the kedusha, and the Satan gets weak. You see, and therefore Esau, whoever represents Esau on this planet, right? Then they become weak. You see, because they derive their energy from the Satan who derives his energy from the pipeline that goes to the Jewish people. You see, so uh, Esau depends on the Satan, and the Satan depends on the Jews. That's why he must get them to sin, you see. <clears throat> so the nations that represent today Esau, and we know who that is, I've spoken about that many times. You had Esau, right, the Torah says Esau is Edom, Edom became Rome, right? And Rome, we know, became Christianity. And Christianity is Western civilization. And I have said that Western civilization is divided into three parts. Russia, what used to be the communist Russia, Europe, and America. The different characteristics of Esau are represented by the different nations that represent their characteristics, which I have explained uh, in a previous lecture. In any case, <clears throat> therefore, it makes sense that when the Jews are up, when the Jews do the will of God, then Esau suffers. Why? Because the Jews are taking all the Kedusha, the holiness, away from the Satan, and the Satan is therefore diminishing, you see? So if he diminishes, it means he has less energy, divine energy, and therefore he, he doesn't have enough to give it out to his major agent, which is Esau. So therefore, the nations that are Esau, they diminish in power. And that's the way it works. What happens if the Jews sin? Then the Satan gets the energy that the Jews should have gotten by doing the mitzvah. He gets it. 
he gets his sparks of holiness, and therefore the nations that are represented by these ideal nations, they flourish, they become powerful. Uh, so you'll always find this seesaw between the Jews, Yaakov, and Esau, the nations of Esau that represent Esau. <clears throat> you see. Now, another very important idea is that the Jews, when they flourish, you see. So, what does that mean to flourish? It means they become holy. They become spiritual, you see. <clears throat> and they have two very important characteristics. They're called teferis and oiz. Teferis means beauty, and oiz means might. And Jews have that. In fact, one of the, 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 there are two brochas in the morning by Shachrit, Shachris that we say, Oize Yisrael Bigvura, right, who girds Israel with might and strength, right, and Oite Yisrael Bisiforas, and who crowns Israel, right, with beauty. What is beauty and might? Well, beauty is Chochmah. That's what beauty is. It is an incredible uh, affinity for, in, uh, for, for wisdom. That's beauty, you see. And therefore the Jewish people have tremendous amount of Chochmah, you know, the Chochmah of Torah, but in its beautiful form. And they also have might. Might means Hatzlochah, success. That whatever they do, they are successful, you see. And they are to be reckoned with. And that's what the two gifts, these are the two characteristics of the divine energy, Tiferes and Oiz. When the Jews sin, however, then the Tiferes and Oiz that the Jews had, right, now goes to the Satan. Because he gets what we should have gotten. Again, because we are both nourished from that divine source. So therefore the Tiferes and the Oiz, the beauty of Chochmah, and the might or success, right, uh, and flourishing of the Jewish people, all of this is really part of the Jewish people. But when they sin, it goes to the Satan. In fact, we say that, right, in Tachnun, in Shachrit, Shachris, we say, Admosai Uscho Bashri, how long Uscho will your might, right, Bashri be in captivity? And your beauty, and your beauty in the hands of the enemy. That's it. The first and eyes, right? So we say, how long will this be in the hands of the enemy? Why? Because we initially had them. We have them. That's ours. But it's in the hands of the enemy, which is a Satan, right? Because he is being unique. He is taking this from our Kedusha, because that's the relationship the reciprocal relationship, that when we go down, he gets the, 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 these ideas, you see, these gifts, and then he gives it to Esau, you see. Uh, so when we win, we get the Tferes and Oiz, you see, and when we lose, he gets it, and then different nations of the world get it, you see. So you now understand very important concept the relationship between the Jewish people and Esau, right, which today is basically Western civilization, right? Uh, you now understand this, uh, our relationship, and what happens. 
when the Jews sin and when they don't. You see. Now, when you look today at Western civilization, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not talking about the third world countries, you see. But certainly the first world and the second world countries, the industrialized nations, there's a tremendous beauty to them and tremendous success. You know, uh, about, we're talking about Europe, uh, even the Soviet Union, Russia, and so on, under communism. Certainly America. You know, all of these industrial nations, right, uh, have tremendous amount of beauty and wisdom. Whatever you want to call wisdom uh, is science and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, technology and so on, you know. And certainly the beauty, I mean, you look, walk around these cities and they're magnificent. The structures, the buildings and so on, the, the parks and the lakes and so on. There's an enormous amount of beauty in the culture of Aesop. It's not only beauty of the natural world, but their civilizations, you know, they have a tremendous amount of, of, uh, of uh, might and beauty, you see. <clears throat> in any case, what has been happening in the end? Now, we know before the Messianic era, right, I had given Shuram, where I mentioned, that they are tremendously successful because what happens, which I mentioned, is that they, uh, justice has to be satisfied. I mentioned that one of the things that brings Mashiach is what? Uh, is when the world and the Jewish people are in the Memtesh Shari Tomah, right? Are in the, uh, uh, the 49 levels of pollution, so therefore, God says, I must bring the Mashiach because the world will not survive. But the Masatan says, well, you can't bring Mashiach because of that. They don't deserve the Messianic era. So God says, you're right. And therefore, I have to bring them up to speed. And therefore, I have to satisfy your claim, justice. And therefore, I have to bring an atonement, right, to the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, evil flourishes. And that's what we're looking at today. And that's why you find in the Gemara and the Medrash and so on, when they talk about the era before the Mashiach, they say it's going to be terrible. The evil, the poverty, and so on, the friction, the wars, is going to be terrible. And the reason for that is to provide an atonement for the Jewish people to deserve the Mashiach. And this is very important. But the truth is that someday, right, this has to end, <clears throat> where justice will be satisfied, you see, and therefore God has to stop the dominion of evil and begin to turn around, which is the redemption itself. And the redemption itself means, idea one, the end of the exile. Idea two, right, it's not just the end of the uh, exile, but it's also the building of the Bishamigdash, right? The resurgence of the temple itself, Bishamigdash, right? And number three, the return of the Divine Presence, the Shekhinah. Those are the three major ideas, and of course the entrance of the Mashiach. Those four ideas is the redemption, the end of the exile, right? The building of the Bishamigdash, the entry of the Mashiach and the return of the Divine Presence to the Jewish people and, of course, also to the world.
Well, that has to begin sometime because that's the redemption. So basically what we're waiting for is what? Is a turnaround. When will justice be satisfied? And then the Jews will, in a certain sense, have sort of like paid their debt. And therefore the, the Gulag, in a certain sense, can begin. And it will begin very slowly. And uh, they talk about Gulag happening like the sunrise, where first you see it, get, it begins to get, if you ever got up, let's say, at whatever, 5 a.m., you take a look and you see the sky is beginning to turn blue. First it's dark, then it turns blue and it gets brighter and brighter. And then you have what's called dawn. You don't see the sun, but you see the effects of the sun as the sun gets higher and higher, where the day begins. And then all of a sudden, the sun breaks through the horizon and you see the top of the sun, the orb itself, and then the sun slowly begins to rise until midday where it's at the, uh, the meridian, the zenith. You see, <clears throat> that's the way the goal will happen. You see, so what we're, what we're waiting, for, waiting for is uh, Amud Hashacha, which is dawn, when night begins to end and it begins to get lighter. That's what we're waiting. And therefore, once that happens then it's uh, unstoppable. You know, once the, the, the earth reaches a point where the sun begins to rise, you know, you cannot reverse it, right? Same thing with the redemption. So that's what we've been waiting for, you see. Now, <clears throat> you now have basically enough information to understand what is happening. Let's take a look, okay? <clears throat> um, we have witnessed... Two remarkable things. We look at them, or the world looks at them, through tefa, you know, uh, politically, you know, in terms of news, but they don't understand what's really going on. I had mentioned, if you recall, from the last year, <clears throat> that we have we are now in the month of Cheshvan, and Cheshvan is a messianic month. This was last week's, if I recall, Shir is that Cheshvan, uh, which we are now in, is a Messianic month. So what that means is interesting. Why? Because Rishchodesh Cheshvan, right, was a solar eclipse. And a solar eclipse is bad news for the Goyim because they reckon time, the calendar, with the sun. So therefore an eclipse of the sun is indicative of bad news for the Goyim. And I mentioned that's a very good sign because Cheshvan and a solar eclipse in Cheshvan, Cheshvan is the Messianic month, and the solar eclipse in Cheshvan is tremendous for the Jewish people. What happened? Well, the Israeli had an election, right, uh, in Cheshvan, after Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, and it was astounding. Why? Because until now, the era of Rav, and I explained that last week, <clears throat> that had dominion over Jews in Eretz Israel. They had dominion. They had the power. <clears throat> and they were making it incredibly difficult for the Jewish people, right, to observe the Torah, right? Shabbos, 
kashrus, marriage, divorce, conversions, education, and so on. They were making it terrible, very difficult. <clears throat> well, Israel just had an election that is astounding because it's the first time, as far as I know, that the era of Rav, you know, completely lost. They have absolutely no influence now on the government and the laws that will be passed by the government. None. In fact, even the parties that really are evil, they're all now in the opposition. They have absolutely no say whatsoever, really, because in the, uh, the Haredim together with Likud uh, and Netanyahu are able to put together a coalition and rule without any of the detractions of the Erev Rav. In fact, there's no merits. Never happened before. Labor, which always used to be the main party, is down to four seats. I mean, Lieberman, who's an incredible enemy of the Jewish people, of Haredim, the religious, and so on, he's down to six. Lapid, even though he has 24, right? But still, he's gone from the government. Uh, and so therefore, and all the other parties, therefore, what happened is that the religious right, together with the Likud, now have a government without any influence of the era of Rav. Never happened before. Which means they can now make laws to strengthen Judaism. We're talking about strengthening Shabbos and marriage and divorce, conversions, kashas, education. <clears throat> I mean, are you aware that 1.5 million kids in public schools in Israel receive basically hardly any Jewish education? Hardly anything. And the one in charge of the Jewish education, right, is the Reformed movement, you see. Could you imagine 1.5 million kids that get no education, basically none, of Judaism? It's just... It's an unbelievable tragedy, you know. I and mean, when you think about the Chumash, and that every other Pesach is where Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, right? And you will observe the laws, the Chukam, the Mishpatim, right? The statutes and so on. How many times did he say that, right? <clears throat> Numerous amount of times. Thousands of, of times, right? right? <clears throat> and you have an education system of 1.5 million kids getting hardly anything in terms of Torah education. It, it's shocking. But now, because the government is now religious right without any air of Rav, they can now completely change the laws and make it a state, you know, that will be friendly and inviting to religion for those, you know, who want to do it and so on. They're not going to coerce people, you know, but... The, whoever wants to be religious can now be religious in a meaningful way. So, wait a minute, what does this mean then? Well, it never happened before, so therefore, we can ask a question. Wait a minute. God has now made the Israeli government all, basically, the religious right. You see? And somebody told me, actually, that more than half of the Knesset is now Shema Shabbos. What does that mean in terms of the divine plan? Well, it would seem, therefore, that Israel has arisen, right? 
that the tfer, that the tfers and oiz of the Jewish people is now rising. But that's interesting. Could it be that is now witnessing the turnaround in Cheshvan? Right? That's what seems to be happening. You see, that the, the dominion of the Erevrav, which is the basic, uh, you know, uh, uh, movement of having, of, of satisfying justice, seems to be over. So the question that we have to ask, does this mean right now, right, that this is the turnaround? If that would be the case, that's incredible news. You see, that's what it seems to be. Because this has never happened before, where there is no Erevrav whatsoever in the government. Now, it is true that the Likud is the Erevrav, but Netanyahu is a different type of person. He's not an anti-religion. You know, whether he himself is religious, I don't think so, whatever. But it's not anti, you know. Uh, Netanyahu himself is basically an opportunist, so he flows the way whatever will give him power, you see. But right now, he needs the religious. 64 seats will be in the uh, coalition. He's got 32, the Likud has 32. And the religious right, right, which is UTJ, United Torah Judaism, it's Shas, and it's religious Zionism, all three, right, they have 32. So Netanyahu will now work together, right, with the, the Haredim, with the religious right. He has to, because they will supply his coalition. Without them, that's it. There's no coalition, and Netanyahu will go down, and they will probably remove him totally from his ability to even be a prime minister. And you see, because he has failed to put together a government, you know, uh, if this didn't work out, five times in four years, or whatever. So therefore, he is really, if you think about it, tremendously beholden to the religious right. Uh, and that is unbelievable news for the Torah world, or for the religious world, you see. So our, the question you have to ask is, wait a minute, <clears throat> if there is a turnaround, it seems so, right? Uh, then we have to look at the other side. We know that when the religious, when Torah goes up, then Asaf goes down, don't we? We know that, because that's the seesaw, right? Uh, that means the Sutton is no longer being unique. 98% of the, whole, the, the sparks of holiness is now in the hands of the Jews, the religious, right? So therefore, he's dying, you see. But if that's the case, he's running out of energy, which automatically will mean that Asaf, right, will also basically be dying, you see. <clears throat> so the question that we have to ask, is that happening? Because remember, if one side happens, then the other side, the other, you know, repercussion must also happen. And guess what? It is dying. When you take a look at civilization, you can't believe what's happening, you see. <clears throat> In other words, the Teferis and the Oiz, especially of America, is dying. That's what we see. And that's exactly what you can predict in terms of the relationship between Esav and Yaakov. Isn't that astounding? So Esav really is down. <clears throat> Think about that. I mean, Russia is now a persona non grata. Totally. 
divorced from civilization. They all hate Putin in terms of what he's doing. Ukraine is a destroyed country, right? Europe, the inflation is killing Europe, you know, and they say many Europeans are going to die because there's no oil being shipped to Europe and so on. Tremendous shortage and so on. And then you take a look at the United States. You're looking at crime in so many cities. Unbelievable. You're looking at inflation. You know, you're looking at the, the open borders. Five million people coming over, right, without any type of accountability. Then the gas prices, the heating oil prices, the food prices. America is now going through a real terrible uh, inflation, you see. But not only that, <clears throat> they have tremendous corruption. America has become an unbelievable country of hashkoso, of corruption, right? So what do you have? You have marriage equality, LGBTQ, you have transgender, you see. Then there's tremendous, they want to educate the kids in kindergarten, right? Transgender, sexual education, perversions. It's unbelievable what's going on in the public schools. <clears throat> America has become sedoim. Yeah, like I like to joke around and say, America, the USA, is no longer the United States of America. It's the United Sodomites of America because America has become Saddam in so many different ways. <clears throat> but I don't want to dwell on that, you see. But in any case, America is, has become Saddam. And therefore, what the Bosham has decided, right, <clears throat> is that since the Sutton is dying, then his agents will also be dying. And that's why the world is going through a terrible situation, you know, with everything I've just said and so on. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, gas prices and the grocery prices and the corruption is terrible and so on. This is so far what's happening now. Um, but the Ramayam doesn't do that. Before he wants to shut the lights out of a country, he's going to warn them. That's what the Bansham does, you know, before he destroyed the world with the marble, right, because of tremendous sexual perversions, which I mentioned, you know, why the, what sealed the decree of the marble, right? So therefore, as a result of that, he warns them. He had Noyach build that teva, that ark, for 120 years. He warned Paroi of what he was going to do to him, right? He warns. Because the Bansham just doesn't want to take out a civilization, you see. Guess what? He's warning America. How? Because the problem is in Egypt, there was a problem. Because the Egyptians can say, why are you punishing me with the ten plagues, right? It's power that doesn't want to release them. So Bansham says, I hear what you're saying, but I will show the world that you are as evil as Paroi. So he had Paroi, the, the major says, he had Paroi make a decree, right, that they uh, have to uh, gather their own straw and then make the bricks. So unfortunately, terribly, or tragically, the Jews had to stay up all night. At night they gathered the straw, and during the day, what did they do? They would make the bricks. Could you imagine what kind of life that is? It was unbelievable suffering. You see, <clears throat> now we know why to satisfy justice. But meanwhile, 
when they used to go into the fields to try to get straw, then the people, the Egyptians, used to throw them out of the field and they get out, right? They didn't have Rachmanus on these people. They threw them out. They beat them and they threw them out and so on. So therefore God said, you see, this proves that you are the same as Paroi, that want to commit tremendous amount of you know, abuse, right, to the Jewish people. So that enabled God through justice to destroy Egypt, all of them, Paroi and the entire Egyptian public. Well, guess what? The Americans can say the same thing. So we're not, we're not the ones that are introducing, you know, LGBTQ, right? We're not, uh, you know, it's not us. It's a crazy Democratic Party. They're the evil, the progressives, the liberals, the radical left, right? The Democratic Party, right? They're the ones, the Congress, the Supreme Court. What do you want from us? You see? So God says, okay. I hear your claim, and I'm going to give you a chance to do tshuva. You see, what's the chance? How can America convince God that it does tshuva? And the answer is elections. Right. So what God does, he employs what's called a bureau device, a device that will clarify whose side are you on. I'm going to give you a chance to reject Right? All the incredible hashkosa, all the incredible, right, uh, corruption, denigration, right, moral decay, moral debasement, everything. I'm going to give you a chance, right? The woke agenda. How? Because there's an election. Let's see what you do. What you have to do is show that you don't want this. And therefore, you have to kick out the Democratic Party. Right. Because that is the root of evil. Incredible evil. That's what they are. They have destroyed America. They have corrupted America. They have destroyed the whole moral fabric of America. Right. And therefore, when God will seek revenge for what they have done to America, and America, remember, is the beacon to the whole world. So in essence, the Democratic Party has destroyed the world by introducing unbelievable moral decay, depravity, and so many other bad things. You, you, you don't even want to be around when God will revenge what the Democratic Party has done to mankind. <clears throat> but right now, he's giving America a bureau device. Okay, who is on God's side, like Moshe Rabbeinu said by the Synod of the Golden Calf? Mila Shem Alai. Okay, here's a chance. Who are you going to vote for? Right? Unbelievable. It can't, it's hard to believe. Right? So everybody's expecting a red wave, a red tsunami, where everybody's going to reject, you see, the Democratic Party. Right? Does that happen? No. That's beyond belief. And what God did is he made it even easier for the people to choose to reject the, Democra the Democratic Party and their incredible moral decay and debasement and corruption. You know how? Because he had the Democratic Party do crazy things, took away energy, to create the inflation, the crime. You see, of 30 cities that the crime is increasing like crazy, 27 are run by Democratic uh, governors and mayors. They're the ones destroying America. 
So he made it easier for people to choose to do tshuva. So not only do you have to elect, right, Republicans or try to get rid of the Democratic Party that is destroying America and the world, right, because they are unbelievably corrupt morally what they're doing, you see, but I'm going to have them make decrees which is insane. Like, they don't care about the crime or the inflation. They cause the inflation. Biden causes the inflation. You see, what does Biden care about crime? It's beyond belief what the Democratic Party has done. It's contrary to logic. So God says, I'll make it easier for you even to reject the Democratic Party because you should reject them not only because they are morally bankrupt and they're destroying America, right? Whatever was good about America, they're destroying, right? But you, I will make it easier for you to reject them because they are insane. Their decrees are insane, you see? So it's much easier. So it's against your self-interest to vote for them. Therefore, that the elections are really a beer device. It is a chance for America to do tshuva, you see, and throw out uh, the Democratic Party. Instead, what happens? I'm telling you, it's beyond belief. Not only do they, not only did they not reject, you know, the, the, the incredible sexual perversions of what is going on in America, the insanity of the education department and so on, not only have they re- not rejected that, but they have rejected, you know, they have, uh, you know, supported the Democratic Party even against their own self-interest. What are they, what are, is America crazy? You know, <clears throat> you have any idea what the crime in, in, in New York is? So they vote for a woman, you know, basically is co- completely incompetent. And anyway, she's a crook. Hokel, right? Against Zeldin, that would have helped the yeshivas that would have tried to straighten America. Instead, they vote for Hokel. You believe this? They're committing suicide because it's going to get much worse, much worse. And what the idea is, therefore, what will, ha- what will happen? Hochul will do nothing. New York is going to die. Millions more people are going to run to Florida and Texas, North Carolina, wherever they're running and so on, right? She's going to destroy New York. Ah, but wait a minute. Isn't New York the first and oise of America? Of course it is. New York is one of the greatest cities on the planet. It's, this, it's the city that always symbolizes beauty, chokhmah, might, and so on, Tverse noise. But where is the Tverse noise? It is now going to Israel. So therefore, there was a chance that America could have preserved some of the Tverse noise in New York, right? By rejecting Hochul and all the nonsense. I mean, Hochul is a woman that is completely for abortion. It's infanticide to kill little kids, right? And New York also champions the whole concept of marriage equality, LGBTQ, that they pride themselves that they were among the first, if not the first, right? Instead, they vote for a woman that is going to destroy uh, the beauty and the eyes of New York. We're going to have millions of people come out. It's astonishing to look at what America just did. They had a chance to do tshuva, where a person could say, you see, I'm on God's side. I voted to reject the Democratic Party. Instead, they blew it. They did not do that. On the contrary, the Democratic Party can't believe their muzzle. 
how much they won. But that's very bad because it shows that fundamentally a majority of America does side with the party, with the evil of the party, right? With the demoralization of the party. It shows. Now, how in the world does a guy, like I say, Hochul win, you know, with her record? It's incredible. You know, I'm not even talking about the, 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 the bribery that she takes. And then you take a look at uh, Pennsylvania, where Fetterman won against Oz. I mean, does this make sense? I mean, he wants to empty the jails. He wants to stop fracking. He wants to destroy Pennsylvania. Uh, you, you see? And then you have Gavin Newsom, who wins with ease. California. People are running away from California. I heard that, you know, they lost more people than came into California. People are fleeing these places because of the crime, you know, the homelessness, the drugs. I mean, it's beyond belief what is happening. And then the amount of drugs coming into this country, you know, it's incredible. I just heard that some guy got caught, I think it was in New York, with 20,000 pills of fentanyl. What was he going to do with 20,000 pills? He's not going to take them by himself. He's going to give it out, sell it, right? Uh, so what they did is they charged him not with possessions in order to be a dealer, but just merely possession, which is a much easier crime. Are they crazy? This guy is going to sell fentanyl, which is killing 140,000 Americans every year. And nobody does anything because of the cartels. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is something incredible has happened. The Rebbe has given a chance of America to do tshuva by rejecting the Democratic Party. And each person, right, elects. So he could say, you see, I'm on God's side. Instead, what are they doing? The majority is voting for what? For the Democratic Party. This is incredible. Uh, not only that, like I said, they are actually voting for a party that is destroying them and destroying the person eyes, which is very bad news. So, uh, obviously, what's going to happen is we're watching the Jews go up, right? There's no more air of Rav in the government. So, Torah is going to go up. And hopefully that means that is a turnaround for Torah and for Judaism and so on. But America has now reinforced their incredible corruption and depravity, which is now going to spread, it already has spread, to the entire world, you see. And I believe that in a certain sense, this was the test. It's called the beer device. God said, okay, America, I'm going to give you one more chance to do tshuva, because you're destroying my world. <clears throat> you know, look, in a certain sense, what it, what it means is that America is going to have a very, very difficult year. But it's not just America. I believe we are now at the turnaround, and therefore the Rebbe wants to bring the Mashiach. He wants to end it, you see? So before he does that, just like he did with Egypt and the Mabal, he gave them a chance to do tshuva, you see? And it's incredible how they all failed. Paroi failed. They failed to listen to Noyach. And they failed to reject the Democratic Party. You see? So that, that is really in many ways very bad news. You see? Because they failed to understand that they had this incredible opportunity. Right? To remove the terrible damage of, of the uh, 
of the Democratic Party, Esav. Remember who the Democratic Party is. It is the evil of Esav. You see, so we certainly have to hope that that uh, you know that uh, the Russian will have Rachmanis on America. You see, because he can easily destroy America. You know, that's, people do not understand the power of God. You see, I mean, he can easily have a recession that's going to go into a depression that will create terrible difficulties for America. I already hear that companies are beginning to fire, you know, 10,000. Even Amazon said they're going to fire 10,000 people. That could be the beginning of a real recession. And if God wants, it could even go into a depression. You see, and what's interesting is something else, which I want to point out. There is now a tremendous struggle between the Torah, Yeshiva world, and the Education Department of New York State. That's what's happening. They want to secularize, you know, the Yeshivas should teach secular uh, education, the equivalent of public schools, which means they want to curtail and control a lot of the yeshiva education. What is the insanity of this? Is that the reason why God has Rachmanus on New York State is precisely because of the hundreds of thousands of Jews that learn Torah. They don't realize that is the Torah of the youth. The Tinekos Shobesh Rabban all the Jews learning Torah, you know, all the yeshivas, all the Beisiakos, all the Dafyomis, they don't realize that's what saves New York State, you see. <clears throat> and they don't realize you want to stop that too? That's the very reason why you're able to survive, you see. So uh, th- these people are insane. So if they war with the yeshiva system, by trying to introduce more secular education, then they will have removed the only mitigating concept, you see, that can save New York State. So it's just unbelievable to look at what is happening. The good news, of course, is that Eretz Israel is going to change, you see, where you can now have tremendous, you know, uh, laws that are conducive for people, you know, becoming religious, and, and, and coming back to God himself. So we have to hope that this is the turnaround. But in any case, what we have just witnessed is an unbelievable opportunity of America that they could have done tshuva. Each person could have done tshuva, you see, because everybody votes. And that they could have said to the Russian, you see, we are against what the Democratic Party is doing to our country, you see, and there could have been, not a red wave, but a red tsunami. And I believe that would have saved America in what, whatever, that whatever the decree is against them would be mitigated, you see. But they have lost their chance, which is terrible, you see. So we have to hope and pray that the Barsham saves the Jews. Because in the end, America has a tremendous merit. What is that? The amount of Torah. America is a free country. Not only is it free, Right, but it also allows people to has freedom, basically, of religion that they can practice their religion. And there's an enormous amount of Torah that is learned in America. Uh, you see, and America is also very good chesed 
tremendous chesed that they do for the entire world, you see. So I, I believe in the end, even if the Bershom is really going to now severely punish the evil of Esav, we don't know how, but even though he's going to do it, you know, he will mitigate it because of the tremendous, uh, you know, character traits of America, the chesed, the kindness that they do, the charity, and so on. The fact that they allow freedom of religion, the fact that they allow all the Jews to learn Torah and so on, even though there seems to be going on a battle in New York, you see. And America, in many ways, is a decent country, even if there's a tremendous amount of moral debasement, moral decay and perversions and so on, you see. So let us hope that this is true, that the good news is that we may be seeing the turnaround. That if there's no heir of Rav in the Israeli government, that's historical. Never happened before. And therefore, we may be witnessing the actual turnaround of the messianic process. Any questions? So the messianic process has to start through Israel first? Yes. Is that what that's the because that's the seesaw. Israel determines which way the, saw, the uh, seesaw goes, right? And then Esau follows, right? Because Jews determine who is being yoinek, who is nourishing from the divine presence, the divine force, the sparks of holiness. See? So if Israel goes down, then Esau will go up. And if Israel goes up, then Esau will go down. Because we're the ones who determine the flow. So the Israeli elections happened first. Which means that the Jews went up. You see. And then because of that, they went down. USA. But before that, right after the Israeli elections, there was the uh, elections. Which I believe it was an incredible opportunity for America to reject the uh, Democratic Party. Hmm. What a so, what an insanity that they did. Yeah, what were you saying? I was saying so. Even if um, well, it looks like America is, <coughs> evil is going up. <coughs> right, it is. Yes, it is. Gain seats, and they gain the. They're you know they're holding in the in the government. It really, in the end, it's really if you if you put it against juxtaposed Israel, they're really going down. That's what you're trying to say? Right. Oh, yeah. They are going down. Okay, but the Jews that are in America, we're in the crosshairs. We are. Right. That's what happens when you live in America, when you live in Esau. I mean, you know, we're in the wrong... Let's put it this way. Really, we're in the wrong neighborhood. So so now, what what do we do as... I mean, we're here now. Now what do we do? So like I say, you know, what we do is, you know, who is with God? You know, people who want to reject the Democratic Party, uh, you know, in some way God will not make it difficult for them because they did reject the Democratic Party, you know. You know, so what we do is we have to, again, strengthen our resolve to be part of the Rebunsham's team to do Torah Mitzvahs, be careful with Shmir Salashan. That's all we can do, basically. Okay. Is, is that a protection? Meaning, like, yes. let's say God does have his wrath 
and he does bring the recession and the depression, everything he's saying. Let's say it does come true. The people who stood by God, are they going to have, you know, live, you know, live a different, not, not the same course as everyone else in America? You know, God does justice. If they truly were not part of, you know, uh, the uh, content continuation of evil, then whatever has to happen to them will be justice. Does that mean they won't suffer? Maybe not. Maybe just a little. We don't know. But whatever does happen to them, and especially since they did the right thing, will be in conformity to justice. You see? So, What was that? Okay. No, I was just saying because what if a lot of people did vote Republican? What if a lot of people did, but somehow there were things that the Democrats have done that would take that vote away from them? Like. Yeah. If you had seen the amount of people that went to vote, uh, they, I don't know. I just think there was a lot of play in it. That's all. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I said, you know, look, whoever voted to reject the Democratic Party did the right thing. You know, they just outnumbered or outrigged okay. whatever, you know, the case and so on, you know then God will deal with them in a just way. He's not going to punish them if they, in fact, want to reject, uh, you see. But then a lot has to do with why they're rejecting the Democratic Party. What the Revolution wants is not just to reject the Democratic Party because they created inflation. That's not what God wants. Inflation is not the problem that God has with America. You see, abortion is. LGBTQ is. Transgender is. The fact that they want to have the education, right, and teach little kids all about, you know, uh, transgender and so on is. This is the problem. So a lot depends on intent. If the reason why they want to get rid of, uh, you know, like I say, the Democratic Party because of inflation, because of crime, because they're shipping in migrants, Okay, but that's not the key to the tshuva. You see, that's not tshuva. That's trying to survive in a good way. Fine, but that's not what's destroying America. Like I said, what destroyed the mobble wasn't the fact, you know, that there was probably a lot of theft going on and all that. <clears throat> even that, that was part of the problem because then they can't even survive as a civilization. But what Seal did decree, like I once said, is where, uh, you know, if a guy would want to marry another man or an animal, he would have to write a ksuba. That's what sealed the decree. It was morality, not theft or crime. So I would imagine God takes that into account. You know, even if you voted against the Democratic Party, why? You see, is it because of what they're doing with destroying the moral fabric of marriage, you know, of civilization, or because you don't want some guy mugging you. That makes a difference. Kavona, intent, is a very important part of tshuva. 
You know what I'm saying? So, Rabbi, I have a question. So, yeah. We always we always look at um, Egypt and how they were redeemed. So now, are we at the part that if, like we, you said, like you said, with the recession and the depression, all that, could that be a part of the sort like the ten makot, a part of it? Uh, probably, yeah. Oh yeah, so probably. It? I mean, COVID is part of the is the is a, an equivalent. I mean, people right. are dying left and right. Nobody was working. Yeah, those are the modern day versions of the uh, plagues, right? You know, so I mean, God's not. Like, I mean, we're not we're not looking here. We're not looking here at you know locusts, you know frogs, uh, you know God's. That's not the way ten plagues are going to happen. Ten plagues are going to happen again because those are the ten spheres, uh, you know, destroying the world and so on. Is going to happen in its modern day form. So certainly poverty, you know, inflation and uh, no jobs and uh, psychological problems and all that, depression, recession, no, that, those are the modern-day equivalent of a plague, right? And that's really what COVID is. It's certainly a modern-day expression of one of the plagues, you know? But most, but most of the plagues, the Jews didn't get affected, and they were living in Egypt. So, we, uh, I mean, that's a little hope for the Jews that are living in America, uh, you know, that... <clears throat> If they're in the right intentions, they won't get affected from them. Yeah, that's certainly possible. <clears throat> you know, that's certainly possible. Look, in Egypt, it didn't affect them because they had satisfied justice. So why should they be affected? So the miracle was that they were not affected. It was just incredible. No Jew was harmed in any way by any of these supernatural uh, makot, you know, plagues. It's incredible. So certainly, if this is what happens in America, then we, uh, as it is, my feeling is that, you know, there will be a great deal of supernatural events that happen by the gula. That has to be that way. There is no other way. Uh, you know, when it says God is going to take back, he's going to gather all the Jews and then take them back and bring them to Israel, you know, how can that happen if, without, in a natural way? It has to be supernatural, you see. So I'm sure that will be one of them. Rabbi, you know how you said the um, the voting was a Berer device? A Berer device, to, right. A Berer device to, to get us to show Hashem that we're, what side we're on? Right. You know, there were rabbis that don't follow politics that said, we don't follow politics, we've never done this, but they literally... We're going around and telling everyone it's Pakua Hanefesh, you have to vote. So okay. does, so so maybe they they had no, that. They idea doing, that no, they were doing no they well Yeah, but the, you know, they, look, they don't but I they're not look I I don't know, I have no idea what they're thinking. But uh it that doesn't mean that they understand that the elections were a beer device. It simply means that, hey, if you don't get rid of the Democratic Party then we're going to have a lot of problems living as a civilization. You see? No, I'm I don't, saying I don't something, think that they understood it. I would say you're right. I don't think they understood that. I, I think I, I get the feeling... maybe they had the idea, like, they, like, like a, I don't know if it was like Ruach HaKodesh or... 
They just they had a strong feeling to tell everybody to vote. Yes, because they, they civilization. Never came forward like that. No. No, they had to see the yeshiva. That's why they did it. Because exactly. otherwise they're going to have a lot of problems in the yeshivas. So right. all the rabbis came out because they wanted to say, listen, if you don't do this, we're going to have a lot of issues teaching your children. Right. Spreading the knowledge of Torah. So go out there and make a difference because we need you to vote. Right. That's why right. they did it. They said because. But not because, but not because of what I'm saying is a, a whole different thought that I God know, is trying to connected. save America. Yeah, I well, it's connected in the behavior. They also wanted you to vote. It, no, but that's not Hashem the essential idea. Them to feel that to get them to vote, to get everybody to, like to drive the votes up, because Hashem wanted to see the votes up. But it's not the Jews; it's the goyim. The tshuva God wants is from the goyim, and, and unfortunately, from Jews who are into LGBTQ. You know, most Jews, I hope, are not in that. So the concern of God is America. Elections are an American necessity. It's the whole America. 330 million people, or whatever the vote is, you know. So I'm, I'm saying that, you know, this is a, uh, just like he warned Paroi, which means warning Egypt. And he warned the world by Noach, and Nineveh by Yoyna, and so on. God does send warnings when he's about to clobber a nation. They don't realize, you know, and, and that's what I, I, I'm worried about. They don't realize what can clobber America. They have no concept that when the din is unleashed because Esau is dying, and they have no idea of what suffering God can do. I, I just bring one, you know, uh, Facebook is firing 11,000 people. So it, I heard that Disney World is now firing people because their stock just went down. Uh, Amazon is firing 10,000 people. We are watching the beginning of a recession. That can easily become a depression. You know how much yeah, suffering went on? Too. What? The price of housing is going down. Yeah. It, we don't realize how far. It all the way up, and now it's yeah. dropping down. Yeah, Crazy of course. What people are taking. Um, yeah. Well, how many people can afford 7% interest? You know? <clears throat> but see, that's what, and, and it's interesting that all of this is happening when the opposite is happening to Torah and Jews in Israel. We don't realize it's a miracle. There is no Erev Rav in the government, except Likud, which is what's called the Erev Rav Light. You know? But that's a miracle. never happened before. I mean, they were all expecting to win. It's going to be great and all this stuff. With Lapid, he was hoping he's going to be the prime minister again and all this nonsense. You know, they were kicked out. All of them sit in the opposition. They have no say whatsoever in any of the laws, which are now going to go completely Haredi. It's You see. Do you think because of that it'll be much easier for Jews to move to Israel? Because it used to be very difficult to make an aliyah. Right. Israel is a backward country. No matter what you think about Israel, it is a very difficult place to live. <clears throat> the regulations, the bureaucracy, the cost of living, the cost of buying real estate, 
because the, there's a ministry there, the land ministry. They don't allow, they, they, they hold on to land. You can't even buy a piece of property. You see, you can only lease it. it, it, it in many ways, look, Tel Aviv, I think, was voted the third, they took a poll, the third most expensive city in the world. That's crazy. How can a Jew move there? You know, why? Because there's no competition. Ten families control the economy of Israel. You know, you know how long it takes to build a house, to get legal permission to build a house? Then you look at the cost of living. It's insane. You see, why? This is the government. Because they don't care. This is the problem. There's a tremendous housing shortage, you see. Tremendous. People get married and they have nowhere to live. So they have to rent somebody's basement or storeroom? This is insane. If you go through Israel, most of the Israel is empty. You know, I had an idea. Do you people remember the Homestead Act? Yeah. The Homestead Act was, remember they, yeah. they, they conquered That's the West? The rebate. Uh, well, they conquered the West, remember? You know, the, mm-hmm. uh, what are the Louisiana Purchase and all Louisiana that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, so the question is, how are they going to settle it? You're talking about 3,000 miles, you know, uh, across the United States. <clears throat> and therefore, most of America was empty. So they did a very smart thing. Free land. If you agree to go out to, into the West... We will give you, I don't know what the, how much, let's say an acre. We're going to give you free land. The condition is, of course, is that you have to build on it and develop it. So there were a lot of, I think there were a lot of people that took advantage, right? That's what they should do. Negev. The Negev is empty. So what they should say is, we will give you, you know, two dunam of free land on condition that you go there and build a house and create cities. I'm sure a million people would love to do that because it's free land. And they should do it also in the Galil. That's how you settle a country, you see? But they don't do this and so on. Look how many years it took to build a decent transportation system. Look how many years. That should have been first. You know, that's why nobody moves to the Negev because there's no transportation. If they would have made a, a bullet train uh, from Eilat to Metula, a, a bullet train that goes 200 miles an hour, you can do the whole Eretz in an hour and a half, which means you can live in Tferia and work in Tel Aviv. It's only 30, 30 minutes to Tel Aviv if you have a high-speed bullet train. Uh, you see, that's what they do in China or Japan. There are solutions to this, but these guys, for some reason... They don't think about this. They're primitive. This is a problem. Because Israel is a socialist country. It's still a socialist country. You see. That's really why you have to get rid of it. I just hope that the present day government understands. You know. Because you talk about millions and millions of Jews cannot move to Israel. You see. There's not enough jobs. There's no place to live. You see? And so on. You know what I mean? Okay. 
Any other questions? Yes. So does the Mashiach have to come or appear before we start seeing the downfall of America? I believe yes. Yeah. Because the, the, the entry of the Mashiach is, is the turnaround. Because, like, the Jews in America are going to need, like, they, like the Jews in, in, in Egypt, they had Moshe to turn to. I feel like the Jews in America are going to need, and all around the world besides Israel, are going to need, you know, that figure. Yes, I, I believe yes. I believe that the turnaround means that it's like the snare by Moshe, the burning bush. That was the turnaround. You know, and then it took time until he got to Egypt and so on, you know. But I believe, yes. It, that's all part of the turnaround, you know. And this, I believe, is the beginning of the end. Because it's the warning. It's the warning to America, which is the beacon for the entire world, that you better cut this out. Because as it is, you're falling. Uh, you see... So I don't want to crush you. I want to give you a chance to, uh, the opportunity to get rid of the evil, the cancer in your midst, which is the Democratic Party. You have to get rid of this cancer. It is destroying America, you see. And boy, did they fail. That is what's so frightening. America failed. Miserably. Terribly. Florida. <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Right, yeah. And Texas, I think, whatever. Yeah, but it's terrible that the Senate is back in Democratic hands. Are they crazy? Even the House, they're hoping that the Republicans will be able to take the House, but nobody knows. Imagine a week after the elections, they still don't know where the uh, House is. What kind of country is this? Oh, yeah. They're playing around. They're probably counting the votes and trying to find out where we can get more votes. Apparently, there seems to be a lot of rigging going on. It's the same thing all over again. No one trusts in the system anymore. I mean, it's like a joke. joke. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, think of this. 75% of America, the polls say right? Say America's headed in the wrong direction. If that's the case, how in the world did the Democrats win the Senate again? How did Hochul win? Or this, this uh, guy, Fetterman? <clears throat> yeah, we look at this guy. He looks like Frankenstein. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, he won? What, are they crazy? And that's after a stroke? He can't even talk. Exactly. They're insane. People voted against their own self-interest. That's the unbelievable. And the question is, why they do that? That's the bar. Because, well, that's the bureau. Because they want to maintain the freedom of sexual perversions. They want to maintain that. And they're afraid that the Republicans, you know, are going to tamper with that. And they want to maintain infanticide, abortions. They're nicho with this. <clears throat> you know, so they want that. LG, that's exactly what God gave them an opportunity to end. 
and they, 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 and they want to maintain. How in the world can people vote for Federman? I'm telling you, it, it, it's the greatest laughing. <laughs> you have to laugh at this. Yeah. And he wants to stop fracking in Pennsylvania, and he wants to release murderers. He wants to empty the jails. This guy's crazy. As it is Philadelphia as a crime city. And he wants to run for president. <laughs> we have yeah. another dumbo in the... In the <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's like you can't even make this stuff up. It is so contrary to logic. You know? Even in even in New York City, I think it was like eighty two percent voted for Hoko and eighteen percent voted for, for Zeldin. It doesn't make sense. No. And, because cr- and that's where the most crime is, the most problems, it's all from Manhattan. Right. Yes. And they all vote for her. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. You know why? I I believe underlying all of this because they want to maintain the freedom against morality underneath. Republicans, you know, they're conservative. They're going to say no more LGBTQ, no more uh, abortion, you know. They want to maintain the rebellion against God. I believe that's fundamentally why they do this. Well, that's what Pharaoh, that was the first thing he said was, I don't know Hashem. Yeah. Right. And then you think about California. California is, is a dying country. It's a dying uh, state. Uh, people are leaving in droves. You know, the amount of homelessness <coughs> and drugs and all this kind of stuff is unbelievable in California. Los Angeles, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's very, very bad. Very bad. See, we just have to pray that the Muslim is not going to crush America, which he can easily do. Very easily to do. But there's actually a solar eclipse coming in um, in April. There's going to be a total solar eclipse. April which year? The, what? The 20, 2023. 2023, this, this coming April. Um um, Nissan, oh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be, yeah. <clears throat> what is interesting... Like, I it's think one it, week after Pesach, exactly. No. After the last uh, day of Pesach, it's one, yeah. They say it's, it's April 20th. Right. Correct. Pesach ends the 22nd of Nissan, and it's on the 29th. So that's for Shkodesh Iyo. Yeah. Yeah, but the real thing, which is interesting... I think on April 8th, 2024, there's going to be a there's total solar one. eclipse. There's a total solar eclipse that will go over New Jersey and New York. Uh-huh. Total. Yeah, that'd be incredible. And uh, it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That's going to be very interesting. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> it's a year and a half. Yeah, it's a thing to look out for. <laughs> 